0: This is the ICO Alert Podcast, Episode 16. I'm your host, Robert Finch, founder of ICO Alert. ICO Alert maintains the only comprehensive list of every single initial coin offering. That includes all of the active ICOs that are happening now, as well as all of the upcoming ICOs. You can check out the full list on our website at icoalert.com. My guest today is Adi Seidman, the CEO of Props by YouNow. YouNow is an existing company with more than 40 million users getting ready to launch their ICO, and on the podcast, we'll talk with Adi about the benefits and drawbacks of decentralization, how they've created a new genre of participatory experiences or games, why they believe open source is the future, and more. Without further ado, let's get to it. Adi, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me, Rob.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, really exciting to have you on. And uh, for those that listened to us last week, we interviewed the CEO of PlayKey, and you guys have some similarities, uh, mainly in the fact that you already have an existing user base of millions of users. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about that user base and what YouNow and Props actually is?
1: Sure, sure. So um, we've been uh, running YouNow since uh, 2011. Um, By 2015, uh, it was actually the largest live streaming mobile service in the U.S., Uh, and uh, we have today 40 million registered users. Wow. Yeah, and uh, the most exciting part about it is that they do uh, microtransactions today. So we have about 60,000 microtransactions each day today. And uh, with Props, we are um, leveraging our experience in uh, mobile consumer video, uh, our team of uh, 45 people based uh, here in New York City, um, our uh, community of millions of users, and our um, uh, money in, money out, uh, two-sided microtransaction uh, ecosystem with the addition of blockchain technology uh, and uh, cryptocurrency to go after a much bigger opportunity which is to decentralize digital media distribution itself so think about it as uh, you know the decentralized youtube uh, with a focus on interactive video live video and linear video
0: okay very cool so you now as it stands right now is your existing live streaming platform and props is kind of this new project that you're building is that correct?
1: Uh, That's exactly right. We've been working on it for the past uh, 12 months, and uh, we introduced a whole new uh, uh, stack of uh, video to allow for many-to-many video uh, as opposed to -to one-to-many video, which you see today in live streaming, and it lends itself to uh, many more use cases, and so uh, we're opening it up for developers to allow for any kind of interaction that can happen between uh, uh, people in real life to happen digitally, whether it is uh, watching linear television together or whether it's participating in a game show or a trivia or a reality show or whether it's uh, commerce like an, act, an auction, um, anything that uh, people can do Uh, In real life, we believe there is demand to build experiences on mobile devices for uh, people to do uh, digitally. And that's what uh, the props ecosystem is all about.
0: Uh, Okay, very cool. So if you had to sum up uh, kind of the differences between props and you now in a couple sentences, how would you do that?
1: Well, I would start by saying um, we're very proud uh, and and, and we credit ourselves for uh, inventing the um, live streaming space on mobile uh, in the U.S. We were uh, the first to do it when we started in 2011. Uh, And then again, we were the first to bring this two-sided market where people can buy into a virtual currency, uh, which today is uh, in-app. Uh, and we did that in two thousand and fourteen, and other people can uh, earn it. And so, by taking it to the next level, the the big um, uh, differences, I would say, are three. One is uh, multiple use cases. Uh, today's live streaming templates are all very similar. Um, you know, there's one person broadcasting and a bunch of people in the audience who are uh, invisible and can can write chat. Um, And this has been uh, replicated again and again with Facebook Live, with YouTube Live, with uh, Twitter Periscope. Uh, Who said that that is the only way for interactive video to work on on mobile devices? So by opening it up to multiple use cases, by opening up the platform for developers and allowing any use case to be built on the ecosystem, uh, it uh, makes the opportunity much greater uh, and the servicing end users in a much better way uh, through any kind of interactive video experience. So that's one, use cases. Uh, The second is that everybody is equal. So, um, you know, today, if you look at it, there is mostly uh, one broadcaster who can get uh, likes and gifts and can ultimately get paid, Um, and that's about 5% of the users. Um, So think about it, 95% of the users can't even get a like, which is the basic... uh, social currency yeah and that's correct on, on uh, you know any kind of uh, live streaming platform today so by uh, democratizing it and by uh, having a platform where everybody's equal everybody um, is live whether they're broadcasting or not they can chat with each other in the audience they can interact through any kind of logic that a developer uh, decides uh, we're opening it up for everyone to uh, be able to receive a like everyone be able to uh, receive a gift and everyone be able to actually earn um, uh, currency and uh, revenue, which leads us to, you know, the third thing, which is to take the ecosystem that today is limited to an in-app an ecosystem and uh, decentralize it and tokenize it. And uh, if you think about it, um, you know, today most of the people who earn on you now are uh, YouTuber types. Um, and uh, they're influencers who are independent content creators, and at the end of the month, we write checks to thousands of uh, uh, creators who earn on the platform. Uh, well, tomorrow, uh, the uh, extent is, uh, is really exciting. Anybody who contributes to uh, the value of the network, of the ecosystem, uh, gets rewarded. And so we change our entire business model from being rent collectors like uh, YouTube and Facebook, uh, which you know, take 40 to 50 percent uh, of the transactions, to being completely aligned with all of the users who are in the system, uh, because we all work to appreciate the token. And that becomes our business model, so much so that we are changing from a C-corp to a B-corp with a mission to appreciate the value of the token uh, and be aligned with our users. So whether it is an independent content creator who is earning based on the eyeballs and the money spent during their broadcast, uh, or uh, a Comcast, uh, who is one of our investors, who uh, is putting up uh, linear programming and people can watch it together and they earn based on that, or uh, a simple uh, 16-year-old user who invited uh, uh, 20 of their friends and we know the exact value to the network and to the ecosystem of those, you know, 20 new registered users, and that person gets rewarded for their contribution to the network. So when we're talking about democratizing, um, it's not just the actual user experience, but is also the participation in the value created by the network. And um, you know, blockchain allows us to do it in a uh, uh, equitable, uh, 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 transparent, and algorithmic way where, um, mathematically, people are rewarded based on their contribution.
0: Uh, okay, very cool. So there's a lot of, lot of info there that I definitely want to jump into and unpack a little bit later in the podcast. You mentioned you know, you're a B Corp, you mentioned some of your investors and, and kind of how their compensation structure may, may change with this. I got a lot of questions about that. Um, but first, what I wanted to talk with you about was uh, kind of your reasons for decentralizing. Um, so first of all, just very briefly, how did you get into cryptocurrency? <laughs>
1: Um, so, uh, we're mobile video guys. I've been doing um, uh, interactive video since before the internet, believe it or not, uh, when uh, it started in the mid-90s doing enhanced CDs. Uh, for oh, a- wow. Yeah. Uh, so enhanced CDs, for those of you who uh, uh, don't know, you used to buy an audio disc in the store, and uh, computers started to have uh, CD-ROM drives, and you would put the audio disc in the CD-ROM drive, and it would play music. Amazing. Uh, but it also had a digital track, and on that digital track, you could play games and watch videos and do stuff that you know the artists and musicians wanted you to do and get more uh, insight into into their world. So uh, I did that for Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails and, and, and Peter Gabriels and others. And then when the internet started, I um, started doing it uh, on the web. Make your own MTV music video. Make your own Toyota car commercial. Make your own E-Trade Baby. Uh, always very, very passionate to enable consumers to communicate through. Through video, Uh, I co-founded the world's first online karaoke, uh, which uh, sold to Fox, MySpace at the height of MySpace in in 2006. Wow! Uh, And and did a bunch of other projects. Uh, And in 2011, you know, started what uh, you know was the holy grail in my circles, which is uh, any user can be creating and communicating through. Uh, media with just a press of a button from their mobile devices. And so, um, you know, uh, the, the team here is is also very experienced around uh, interactive video, and uh, we are uh, part of the Union Square Ventures family. We've uh, been very fortunate. They've been a, a great backward investor for us, and uh, through them uh, got to meet uh, um the founder of uh, uh, Coinbase, uh, uh, Armstrong, and uh, he gave me my first Bitcoin uh, about oh, uh, very cool. four years ago. And so it's always been an idea in the back of our minds. And, and, and don't forget, we have a, a, a virtual economy today um, that uh, is at scale with a couple million dollars coming in every month and 60,000 transactions a day. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're kind of experts in running a virtual economy uh, and, uh, you know, taking it to the next level, taking it, making it crypto uh, allows us to really, um, you know, uh, uh, cater to the community of uh, uh, users and people out in the world. In the end of the day, we're 45 people. It's a small company. We uh, wish to harness the power and creativity and smarts and energy of uh, our millions of users and um, you know, uh, uh, tens of thousands of, of developers and community members. And by enabling them to have a real personal stake in the platform, uh, we're creating an environment which a smaller company like ourselves can really build something big uh, and, you know, it's very ambitious, really, to uh, decentralize, uh, you know, digital media distribution. And uh, we think it's uh, the right time for it, you know. Oh, to- okay. Yeah, yep. that's
0: that's what's so interesting to me about this is that you have this system that seems to be working well. I mean, you've had this the centralized, you know, digital currency in your app. People are using it to tip other creators and gift other creators and things like that. Um, if everything's working so well, I mean, is the is the main reason why you're decentralizing just because you see that's like the natural way things are going, or or is it all about community, all about attracting more people to the platform?
1: It's all about realizing our vision which is to bring interactive video and you know, personal video communication to the masses. And I think that in today's you know, centralized world, you have a few dominant players um, and they suck all the air out of the system and they copy every successful app out there. And uh, in the end of the day, you know, in order for us to you know, really take this to the next level, and uh, realize our vision of uh, allowing anyone to interact with video in any kind of a way. Think about it. television programming, you know television rating have been going down for years. Where are all these eyeballs? They're moving to Instagram and Snapchat. and those uh, you know templates are limited. You know you can do one certain thing with it. Imagine uh, an uh, an environment where any developer can develop their logic around it. So we're already doing auditions for America's Got Talent on you Now.
0: Oh, you know? really? That's cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. On one side of the screen, you have the, the producer for America's Got Talent. And on the other side, uh, you have audiences at home who are trying out as contestants. Uh, and um, you know, the audience is watching it all live, and anyone can get in line and uh, try out. Well, that's just one template that um you know in this case uh, Fremantle media who owns uh, america's got talent is is running um guess what there are hundreds of uh tv shows who are uh looking at uh ratings that are uh, going down and asking themselves how can we capture some of those snapchat and instagram eyeballs and you know uh slowly but surely what we believe is we're going to see more and more of that functionality of that ip uh, migrating to the mobile device and harnessing the fact that all these mobile devices have audio in and audio out, and the format really enables participation with media. Um, I'll, I'll tell you another story. I have a friend who is the uh, chief marketing officer of one of, of the largest auction houses in the world, and um, you know uh, th- they're live-streaming their auctions, and it's not just high art. It's, it's motorcycles, it's wines, it's anything. Oh, wow. And, And and they're looking for ways for the people at home to participate in those auctions. Well, you know, this platform allows somebody like them to uh, uh, program that functionality for their use case. Uh, And so, you know, we really look at it as a platform that allows any kind of participation with the commerce layer uh, on top of it uh, for entertainment, for education, uh, and for uh, social gaming, any kind of use case.
0: That's very cool. See, when you when you give all those examples, I mean, something like this makes perfect sense. Whereas from the outside, if you're just looking at, okay, they're decentralizing their platform, it, it it doesn't make as much sense. But when you start to bring in all these examples about how you know developers can build their own apps on top of it, and you're integrating with all these different people who are um, kind of augmenting their existing businesses, it 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 becomes this whole ecosystem, which I think is is pretty fascinating. Um, one of the main questions that some members of our community had about your project um, is specifically when it comes to managing the cryptocurrency within your app so one of the main concerns people are having or at least some members of our community are having is hey you know if your current centralized digital currency works and it's easy to use and if a user forgets their password they can recover it and log back in um, are there any trade-offs you're making by decentralizing this and what i mean by that specifically is do your users now have to worry about storing their private keys and worry about you know if they lose their private key they can actually recover it or are you guys kind of handling that process for them
1: so it's a great question. And our approach um, since we started this uh, developing this project a year ago has always been a very practical approach to get to uh, the mass market through channels and tools that they can use. So as such, we actually have two currencies within our uh, network. The first one is the regular in-app currency that uh, people already buy today uh, and are used to it, and they don't need to know anything about crypto in order to use. And then the second is our cryptocurrency props, which we use um, initially to reward the contributors to the network. So uh, think about it. Literally every day, all the contributors to the network get a push notification telling them how many new props they earned. It's almost like uh, consider it like mining, but in this case, uh, they're mining by engaging audiences and by contributing to to the network. Interesting. Uh, with, yeah, um, whether it's through content creation, whether it's through uh, they've developed a functionality in the system that is being used, whether they uh, invited their friends and promoted it, uh, and you know, there's the exact formulas. Uh, by which these those rewards are calculated mathematically every 24 hours uh, in our white paper, and I encourage uh, folks to go to propsproject.com uh, to uh, to check it out. Uh, but that's the uh, the um, the balance between those two uh, currencies allow us to target the mass markets today while benefiting from a lot of the value that cryptocurrency uh, has to offer. And what we've learned is, you know, by paying um, thousands of people every month today, is that people will jump through some hoops. They still need to do a W-9 today, and they still need to fill out some forms, and we still need to know who they are, and there needs to be some KYC, and that's not going to change, except here... Um, You know, uh, once they're motivated because there's value there for them, whether it's $5 or $50 or $500, um, they will uh, bother themselves to uh, create a wallet and to uh, take custody, um, which, you know, is a little bit of a speed bump, but not much bigger than they need to do today to take value out of any system.
0: Okay, that's a great answer. And it makes a lot of sense too. I mean, if, if a user has, say, $100 locked up in props, they're going to be way more incentivized to, to actually learn how to manage it and access it than if it was a dollar. So that's awesome. Um, going back to uh, kind of talking about your monetization structure, I was watching a, a presentation, uh, I'm not sure at which conference, but it was where you and uh, Jonathan, I believe is his name, uh, were kind of announcing the props platform or giving people a demo on it. And what I thought was really interesting was, Jonathan mentioned the current monetization structure kind of benefits your early investors the most. So he, he had this kind of diagram where he showed, you know, all the different people who take part in the platform, whether you're a creator or you're an investor or you're a viewer or something like that, and, and where most of the value goes. And in the, the first example, most of the value goes to those early investors, to the people who invested in this platform, you know, rightfully so, now they own it. Um, they should get a lot of that value. But what's interesting is then he showed a second slide, which is now kind of the direction you guys are headed. Uh, And this model showed a lot of that value actually going to the users, to the people who are, you know, objectively or excuse me, uh, arguably adding that value to the platform. And my main question for you is, why are all of your huge, you know, venture capitalist backers, you have Union Square Ventures, uh, Venrock, Comcast Ventures, why are they so open to this kind of shakeup of their business model where it seems in the past version, or I guess in the existing version today, they're benefiting the most? Why do you think that they're so willing to give up that control uh, and give up some of that value back to the users?
1: Yeah, um, it's a it's a great question, and uh, I'll answer it in, in a few ways. Um, one, um, in terms of the token allocation, uh, our company, YouNow, retains 26% of the tokens. And so if... Um, the token value appreciates and our model which is to harness the millions of users who can benefit from the appreciation of the token alongside us and be completely aligned with them uh, if that works then our cap table benefits from the appreciation of that 26 percent. so that's one and that's the uh uh, an important note to make now we believe (laughs) that, you know, just like open source uh, development is is proving itself, and we believe that's where the world is heading, uh, we believe in uh, open sourcing the value that everybody can bring into a network and that we as part owners of the network are going to benefit from it much more than if we uh, remain closed and um, we are uh, fighting uh, big centralized systems who are entrenched. How can that succeed if we do not uh, harness the energy and work alongside millions of people who are aligned with us in order to grow the network. And so that's at the heart of uh, what we are doing here. And um, um, that's, that's the short answer.
0: Okay, great. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's always good to hear that the incentives are aligned. Uh, that's one of the kind of the most interesting things about all of these different ICOs is that you, you can play around with these different incentive structures and, and kind of come up with the one that works the best. But, uh, you know, it sounds like you guys have come up with one that, that seems to, to work pretty well. Um Talking about these apps, so you mentioned earlier in in that rundown of like the three major things that differentiate Props from you now or other existing streaming services, um, one of them was apps. So any developer can come, they can build on top of you know the Props platform, they can make their own app using the Props token. Um, but what was interesting is I found you guys are actually releasing your own app. Um, which is called RISE, R-I-Z-E, not to be confused with RISE, R-I-S-E, which is another blockchain platform. Um, But RISE, R-I-Z-E will be the first app on top of Props. Can you explain what it is?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, RISE is the first platform on top of the Props ecosystem. And uh, it is a platform for interactive video. Um, it allows for an unlimited number of concurrent uh, user video streams that interact with each other, allow to uh, give uh, likes and gifts and uh, value and currency um, between each other, uh, allows them to do the traditional live streaming as they do on you now today, but also um, uh, other use cases like watching together, Uh, So you can watch together uh, YouTube videos or um, uh, MTV content, video uh, linear programming, etc. And we we chose Interactive Video uh, Rise as the first platform with microtransactions because we know that microtransactions are an incredibly good business model. As a matter of fact, Mary Meeker uh, uh, released uh, just uh, earlier in the year uh, a chart comparing uh, average revenue per user per hour from microtransaction as compared to advertising. And it's literally almost 10x in terms of... Yeah. Um, And so uh, we wanted to showcase uh, and to put out the first use case of the network on the day that we distribute the tokens to the world. um, Unlike many other projects who have a white paper and uh, are doing ICOs, we actually have a working product that is released to the public on day one. And so RISE is that product. And anybody who participates in our token distribution event will have access to that platform on day one.
0: Uh, Okay, very cool. So in terms of, you know, developers and which apps they're going to build i mean could you give us a couple examples of of what you foresee being built on top of rise other than uh, you know more apps where you can watch together or, or watch different events like do you have have any kind of out there ideas of what people might
1: be building um so I, uh, I i can give you a sneak preview um sure you know first of all imagine any kind of social game so even like name that tune uh People playing that together, let's see who recognized the first one. Uh, Another uh, uh, example is, um, uh, are you familiar with the uh, uh, social game, party game, Mafia Wars? Uh, No, I'm not. Okay, so it's this, uh, I'll tell you the story. So, um, about a month ago, my uh, chairman of the board, Orinzev, forwarded me this article from the information, and um, it was about this game called Mafia Wars, also known as Werewolf. Uh, and apparently, it's all the rage in China. Uh, and it's a party game where um, you need five to ten people to play. You pass out cards. Two uh, uh, of the cards uh, indicate that you are the Mafia, and then everybody discusses who are the Mafia and how can we find out which.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Are- yeah and so um, you know I had no idea that this was uh, 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 that there are multiple mobile apps in China allowing people to play it from the comfort of their own phone, and it makes sense because you don't always have five to ten friends next to you and now you can just press a button and become a part of a group of uh, uh, video folks uh, who are playing that game. And it's you know a, a big uh, business, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue in China. So long story short short, my chairman asked me, uh, can we do that on Rise Props? And my answer was yes. And this is exactly the reason why we developed this platform. Because, uh, you know, unlike in the past where you had to go to an investor and raise a couple of million dollars and build the video technology and then figure out the, the, the two-sided economy and what people are buying and, and, and how they're buying it and then, uh, you know, work to distribute it uh, to uh, the consumers. Here the platform comes built in with the many-to-many technology it comes built in with the two-sided market and the the business model allowing the developer to decide you know how much for what and what people are are are, uh, buying and what superpowers or or permissions they're getting or access they're getting and it comes with the built-in distribution uh, of the platform to our millions of users Uh, and so um, you know whether it is mafia wars Uh, or whether it's other social games, the idea that you can rapidly develop something, uh, as opposed to taking, you know, a couple million dollars and months of work and then trying to get it to the market, here, you know, you have uh, the basic building blocks ready to go, and for a relatively, you know, small engineering effort, you could be building any kind of a social experience for the users.
0: Okay. And it just clicked for me and it, it may have just clicked for a lot of the listeners as well. Um, this is pretty fascinating. And I was trying to think while you're talking on what to call these types of games, like these, these games that use video or live streaming. And I, I immediately went video games. Oh, no, that, that doesn't really explain it. Um, it's almost like live streaming games. Is, is that the way you would kind of categorize this? Because it almost seems like you're, you're making a new category of game.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't want to limit it by calling it live streaming or live streaming game, but I think about it as, you know, there's, there's a trend in the world, which is, you know, folks are moving uh, to participate with their media. And we see it with the fact that 65% of Snapchat users are creating content and they're on video. We see the fact that, you know, almost 2 billion people in the world play video games. And, you know, they are participating in the moving image experience that is unfolding right in front of them. Uh, And so, you know, there is a desire to not just lean in, but jump in, especially amongst the new generation who was born with, uh, you know, iPads all around them and are are very much used to jumping into screens. And so, you know, this platform and this technology allows for rapid development of any kind of participatory uh, experience.
0: Okay, very cool. That's it's interesting, these participatory experiences. I mean, I could see so many different applications being built on top of this, so many creative games, especially, you know, once this platform is launched, and, and it's open to developers, and anybody can go and build on it. I mean, that the the games that are, are these particip- participatory experiences, excuse me, that are being built, I mean, uh, I, I think we're going to see things that neither of us can probably imagine now. And, and it's going to be very exciting to see uh, how that all develops. So that's very cool. Um, I want to talk more about the kind of the the tech side of your platform, how it all works. So you mentioned, you know, you guys are using microtransactions. Um, Is that going to be the case with the cryptocurrency as well? And are you sending those microtransactions directly on the Ethereum blockchain? Or are you kind of doing it on your own internal ledger?
1: Yes, so that's a great question. So unfortunately today, Ethereum cannot handle the kind of volume that we are used to. Right. And so what we're doing is we're resolving it every 24 hours against uh, the Ethereum ledger. Um, And we are literally taking the revenue that comes in from the in-app purchases and immediately purchasing props from the market. Uh, against them. And so we are impacting the props ecosystem uh, directly through the fiat that is coming in in real time. And then every 24 hours, we are calculating, uh, the system calculates mathematically all the contributions that happened to the network in that past 24 hours and divides the uh, value, divides the props, which include the fiat that came in during that 24 hours and a bunch of tokens that live in a token reward pool that is meant to help jumpstart the network uh, and that we haven't talked about uh, and and we can uh, and then distributes that uh, every 24 hours to all the contributors to the network.
0: Okay so you guys are actually going in and buying a bunch of props every day essentially is that? That's correct. Okay interesting and uh Talking about scalability, I mean, in the future, if you wanted to, to run all of this on a blockchain where every microtransaction, um, you know, was actually sent on a blockchain, are you open to, to moving to other platforms like EOS or some of these other platforms that are, are more scalable or, or aiming to be more scalable than Ethereum? Or are you totally kind of locked to Ethereum at this point?
1: We're not ruling out anything. Uh, our approach is very practical, which is uh, why we're taking this uh, uh, path, where this can actually work today, and there's an advantage in in, in having a first-mover advantage there, too. Uh, We just want to cater to millions of users and not put up any kind of uh, uh, speed bumps. And if in the future um, there is a more equitable, uh, faster solution, uh, we will consider it.
0: Okay, awesome. And I, I think that's wise from a, a business standpoint as well, of course. Um, let's talk about that user reward pool. Uh, is this kind of where you you have a bunch of tokens and you're incentivizing people to join the platform? Or how does that all work?
1: So um, if you guys uh, who are listening, uh, take a look at the white paper, there's the pie chart there. And um, basically, 70% of all the tokens uh, will be out in the world eventually. 20% are uh, sold in the token sale event. And another 50%, five zero, are um, held by a nonprofit Swiss foundation that's job is to logarithmically and algorithmically distribute out those rewards to the individuals and the companies who contribute to the network, whether they're developers, content creators, people who build apps or other platforms on the network. And so we're really excited about that because A, it gets the vast majority of the props out there into the right hands, and B, it helps create a token network effect where from day one, we're not only reliant on uh, the in-app purchases in order to distribute value to the contributors to the network, but we have this additional very large reward pool, 50% of all the tokens, that is logarithmically dished out to the contributors to the network. So early on, just like you know, the case of uh, Ethereum or uh, Bitcoin, the initial miners uh, uh, of those uh, networks Uh, received outsized rewards and outsized value here will be the same case where we are jump-starting the ecosystem by having this reward pool in place day one
0: okay that's awesome and I think it's it's always good to hear that people are distributing the majority of tokens Mm -hmm. Um, there was a similar token sale kin or or kin by kick that that had a token sale recently and there was a lot of criticism in the community that they were only distributing 10% of their total tokens. Um, and I know a, a lot of the tokens that they're holding kind of falls into a user reward pool as well. Um, but it, it's always interesting going back to the the incentives being aligned uh, that you are distributing the majority to the user. So uh, I just wanted to comment and, and say that that's great. Um, Talking about your B Corporation status. So uh, I, I did a little research on this before uh, the call. And a B Corp or B Corporation, to those that don't know, uh, is essentially to a business what fair trade certification is to coffee. Um, and I'm taking this from online, from Google. Or USDA organic certification is to milk. Um, so it, it goes on to say that B Corps are for-profit companies certified by the nonprofit B Lab to meet rigorous standards of social and environmental performance, accountability, and transparency. And I looked... Uh, up a couple existing companies. And Kickstarter is actually a well-known example uh, of a B Corp. So why is this such an important part of your mission? Why a B Corp? Why not just keep your existing
1: structure? So I think it's very important. And thank you for, for asking that question. Um, it's it's very important for us as a privately held company who is jump-starting this ecosystem, not only to put 50% of the rewards in the hands of, of a nonprofit organization that is responsible to uh, enhance the ecosystem and shepherd the ecosystem forward, and um, uh, dish out the rewards in an equitable and transparent fashion. But to go a step beyond that, and to turn our own organization from a C corp that is focused on uh, uh, solely on profits to its shareholders to a B Corp that has also a a public benefit mission. And our public benefit mission is to enhance the value of the props ecosystem. And so we are looking to make a point of our alignment. De facto, it's what's happening behind the scenes in any case. We're changing our business model from being rent collectors and taking 50% cut of every transaction to not doing that and being aligned with everybody in the community and seeing our portion of the tokens appreciate, just like everybody else wants to see their portion of the tokens appreciate. So we're doing it in any case. By turning ourselves into a B Corp, we are simply making a statement that, you know, our responsibility is not just to worry about our shareholders, but it is augmented with a responsibility to the, greatest, to the greater ecosystem, uh, which is to see the prop uh, ecosystem grow.
0: That's awesome. So if, if you guys didn't, just hypothetically, because I'm sure you will, but uh, if you guys didn't um, you know, follow these quote-unquote rigorous standards, would the, the B-Lab come out and, and actually say that?
1: I'm not sure how the B-Lab works, and I know that the certification uh, is good for two years, and within those two years, you actually change, uh, need to change your organizational charter legally oh, wow. uh, if you're filing in, in Delaware, and that's the path we're headed to.
0: Okay, very cool. Then uh, let's talk a little bit about your ICO. So I think we've gone over the platform a lot. Um, and and the the level of clarification that I have now is is much higher than it was before the podcast. And I, I hope it's the same for a lot of the people listening and a lot of the people that submitted questions as well. Um, but talking about your ICO, so you've raised, uh, I was doing some research, you raised about $30 million from uh, private VC in six years since you now was founded in uh, 2011. Um why are you doing the fundraising portion of an ICO? Is it more money to kind of bootstrap your new, new mission? What's the reason behind it?
1: Sure. So, you know, it's important for us to get to the market quickly and to establish the value of the ecosystem uh, day one. And uh, by doing a token sale and by establishing a value for our token, we are able to do that uh, very effectively. The other thing is, is that there has always been a demand for our in-app currency and we're used to um, you know, selling currencies, so to speak. And so this comes uh, uh, very natural for us. And of course, the third thing is you know we are embarking on a much more ambitious mission than you now has ever had. Uh, and uh, to do that, uh, we absolutely, Uh, wants to make sure that we are uh, funded well enough in order to uh, achieve these uh, big, ambitious goals that we went through uh, uh, over earlier in this conversation.
0: Okay, great. And what's the target goal
1: for your ICO? How much are you guys looking to raise, and uh, when does this all happen? So we actually haven't published uh, the cap. There will be a hard cap. Uh, and we're going to publish it in the in the weeks ahead. Uh, the token sale is scheduled for November twentieth. We're going to open registration in the beginning of November, um, and uh, our aim is to get as wide of a distribution as possible. And so we're going to have contribution limits. In um, and, and the beginning of the process, uh, we're going we have whitelists. So today, anybody who goes onto our Telegram channel, I think the first uh, couple thousand people are automatically whitelisted through that. Uh, and that's uh, uh, propsproject dot com. And um, yeah, we invite everybody to learn more about it.
0: Awesome. That's great. Well, the the final question I had kind of pertains more to the the general crypto space. Um, do you think, you know, which is kind of turning into a trend here now with with you guys coming out and, Uh, running this ICO. And we had Kin and PlayKey and and many other companies uh, that have come out. They're existing companies with millions and millions of users. They're well-established and they're running ICOs. Do you think that we're going to see more of this? I mean, are we going to see even bigger players like YouTube or Facebook or Google come out with their own tokens?
1: I think, first of all, I think the answer is yes, but I do think that it's going to be a long while before we're going to see the established incumbents and the large behemoths and the public companies um, uh, tokenizing. Uh, I think that before that, we're going to see um, other organizations, organizations who are um, you know, uh, uh, smart and hip and agile to ideas like you know, open source development and others who understand the value of decentralization and who, like us, have already uh, a built-in two-sided market that rewards contributors to uh, that economy uh, to understand the benefits of uh, tokenization. And so uh, I absolutely think we're going to see uh, more companies uh, doing it, and I would just um, you know like to see companies who are doing it for the right reasons, companies who actually have uh, an ecosystem uh, and not just doing it for the wrong reasons.
0: Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think... Uh, There are a lot of companies out there, unfortunately, doing it for the wrong reasons, whether that's, you know, just just as a money grab or they want to, you know, hold the majority of the tokens. And and I guess that's another form of a money grab. Um, But it is good. And. and uh, I will say that I think props and, and your team are, are really doing this in, in the right way and for the right reasons. You know, when I asked you about decentralization, uh, decentralization and why you guys are doing that, um, I think a lot of the reasons you presented make sense and, and are, are really valid and not just a money grab. So I want to you know commend you on that um, and just kind of end by giving you the, the floor, giving you a couple minutes to you know talk more about props and tell people where they can learn more about it.
1: I really appreciate it, Rob, and it's been a pleasure to have this conversation. Um, And uh, we really touched on on the most important topics here. I want to underscore the fact that um, we uh, are beta testing the product right now. Rob, as a matter of fact, I invite you to beta test it with us. Oh, awesome. Great, great. Uh, we'll we'll follow up right after the call. Yeah, uh, and uh, the the product will be out in the market um, uh, as soon as uh, we do the token sale uh, later in November. We're really excited about that, and um, you know we hope to see more projects out there who actually have products ready to go. Uh, who from day one. Uh, the token that is a utility token uh, works on it in, in a in a great and rewarding uh, fashion. So uh, people can learn more uh, on propsproject.com. There are links there to our uh, Telegram channel, which is very active, and we encourage you to participate in it and ask additional questions that you may have. Uh, and also uh, get on our mailing list, So uh, which is right there at propsproject.com, and uh, we'll shoot you out more information as it comes out.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, Adi, thank you so much for joining me today and best of luck with
1: your ICO. Thank you so much for having me Rob. Thank you so
0: much for listening to this podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. If you'd like to request someone to be on the podcast in the future, tweet us at ICOAlert and let us know. Most of our guests are requests from listeners just like you. So we review every single recommendation that comes through in our Twitter feed. Uh, We'll look at everything. So if there's a lesser known project that you think we should cover, you know, let us know. Maybe we'll have them on the podcast. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and be the first to hear our new episodes. And also, don't forget to check out ICOAlert.com to see the only comprehensive list of active and upcoming ICOs. I'm your host, Robert Finch, and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode.